2: Hello and welcome to the Washed Up Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from WashedUpEmo.com. You're in for a treat for episode 89. Caitlin, Kaya, and William from Raina Maria joined me for a chat in Brooklyn about what else? The past. Then we touched on the upcoming shows for the end of the year, and in between, lots of laughs. I really, really think you're going to enjoy this one. So, if you are not aware, the band were pioneers in the independent punk scene and paved the way for so many after them. A true, true pioneer. This is episode 89 of the Up People Podcast with Rainer Maria. Hello, Rainer William. Hello. Everybody, we're in Brooklyn. Greenpoint. Green is this your apartment, William?
0: My, my apartment this in is,
2: Greenpoint. This is beautiful. Thanks. Everyone came in. Thank you. So I wanted to f- talk about the story of you guys because when I was interviewing people probably the last five years, you guys have come up a lot where... Oh, I learned that from Raina Maria. Or when we were on tour with Raina Maria, they taught me that Pedro from uh, Sunday's Best was one that said that. Which I thought was pretty cool. You guys are probably drawing blanks of being like, um, I have to think about the 90s. But um, I think, you know, summer of 95, you guys, it was Kaya and William, right, that got together first? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then Caitlin was there
0: Right away, like yeah. maybe after two weeks or something. Yeah, it was just a few weeks later.
2: And you were were you from all from Madison or no?
0: I'm from Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. Um.
2: Yeah, I'm. I
1: not at all. I grew up in um, mostly in Oklahoma and Texas, and then went up to Madison for college. And yeah, so, I was
3: there for college. I grew up in Connecticut. Oh, okay, in Maine.
2: So again, that college experience having a shitload of time, you don't realize how much actual time you have until you leave it, and you're like,
3: oh, wow, we actually had a lot of time. <laughs> I always yeah, remember absolutely. that. Snowbound winters.
0: Yeah. yeah. especially Lots of downtime in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. don't do your homework, also, <laughs> it helps a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but for you, like, how did you first connect? Was it bands? Was it, mm-hmm. hey, we're at this basement show? Like, what were some of those first you guys met? Um, well, William and I had met through, um, I think William and I
1: met first through uh, sort of like what we then called, you know, punk rock shows. And I guess what you'd now also say emo shows in the in that area. Um you had organized or someone else's? Uh where, do you remember the first show that we met at?
0: I'm not sure. I, it was it was some house show or community center show. I'm yeah. Sure. Were you, you playing?
3: Know. Were you joining or someone else? Uh
0: no. I we think were just both at a show. And yeah. we had, you know, continued to stay in touch. Like yeah. just going to shows. Um Kai was in a band called Ezra Pound at yeah. the time and singing and playing drums. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And eventually, Kai wanted to graduate to just singing. <laughs> 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 I was chosen for whatever reason yeah. uh, to play drums. So we had been in a band prior to Raina Maria called uh, Ezra Pound. Yeah.
2: For, for and did time. you, what were those things that you connected on? I mean, 95, 94, what were some of those bands or things that, I think we had probably
1: maybe, I'm trying to think what, because I think what happened was maybe you and your then-girlfriend came to, we're coming to shows and we yep. had seen you around and then, mm-hmm. and then met. And then when we caught when that you play drums, we were like, we got to get that guy to play drums, you know? <laughs> um And so I want to say like, maybe like Captain jazz or something at um mm-hmm. neighborhood house or a show like that. It was some, probably something like that that Absolutely. we first saw each other. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know,
2: he was just, you know, I don't know, seemed seemed nice and stuff. <laughs> what were some of the other bands playing at that time? I mean, Captain jazz is still talked about today. Uh, I mean, a
1: lot of the, Stuff was coming out from Chicago, so Captain Jazz, Gage, um, Trenchmouth, which
2: Fred Armisen played drums for. Um, Mm -hmm. I got to nerd out with him about that for a hot minute. Oh,
0: cool! Yeah, yeah, he's he's super funny. Yeah,
2: I love. He's just got this hardcore history. I love it. Yeah, (laughs)
0: totally. Yeah, yeah, and he's a he was back then even he was just a fantastic drummer. He was like one of the focal points. That's cool. Yeah, really cool. Um, but all those bands, it wasn't like they were coming through when they were on tour because they're from Chicago and Madison was only a few hours away. They would play like, you know, every couple months at least. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we built those are the bands that we built a rapport with. Um, also, the Milwaukee bands like. Oh, yeah. Promise Ring and. Uh, well, even before Common that, like Red. Ten Boy yeah, Summer. Ten Boy Summer, which was one of Davey's bands. So, yeah. Um, what about
2: that time? Like, bring people back. I mean, again, it's like that no cell phone, like yeah. that personal connection thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would find out about shows by going to shows, or by going to record stores and seeing a flyer. Yeah. Um, or seeing stuff in zines. You know, you'd find out about records from zines. Um, or just, like, going into a record store and talking to people. And yeah. Out. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely very different.
1: Yeah, I mean, the period that like, where Willie and I met was probably 94, so this is like shortly before Caitlin, um, you know, we met Caitlin and like, you know, flyering was the main thing, like going out. This is the thing we, when, especially when you're setting up shows, like every week, you at least you had to go out with your flyers and your, and your tape, mm-hmm. your packing tape. And there were kiosks on the main street in Madison. That you were like always flying on and, and all the big promoters were paying people to flyer on or were going out themselves to do all the club stuff. And so there was like a crazy, you know, fight for territory. It was like very fraught around the kiosks, you know, <laughs> um, and that was like, yeah. But it was that, or like
2: little mini flyers at the record store or something. Was the radio station helping the Madison station, the college station? Mm.
3: I actually DJed at it. Yeah. Nice. No, we were not. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I hadn't gotten wind of those shows yet at that point.
2: Yeah,
1: WRT was. Really but they,
3: they're, they, we played lots of yeah stuff. Those bands, we would play those bands. Yeah, I
1: mean, this stuff was a little under the WRT radar in the early stages, like because it was just so small. But I remember hearing Raina Maria from the demo tape on WRT, like through the clock radio. Oh wow! At and, one point, and, and, just and those being guys like, were oh really supportive, really, also yeah. of us too. Yeah,
3: and went on to do great things.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah once things really got moving.
3: It was a great radio station. So you guys were
2: like, okay, we need someone to sing. I don't want to sing. No, well, so (laughs) William and I had played in
1: Ezra Pound. And then when we stopped, we knew that we wanted to stop, keep playing together, like right away, you know? And, um, so we did a little bit and then we wanted someone to play bass. And there was, and Caitlin and I had played a little music together. She had played a little bass with me, just farting around in the basement. And, um, and so we were like, "Oh, well, should we?" Actually, the decision, as I recall, was like, "Should we ask Matt Tennyson from Pele to play bass, or Caitlin, who was this sort of unknown, <laughs> relatively unknown quantity to play bass?" And no one knew that totally Caitlin unknown. could sing. Unknown. And so I didn't know I could and, sing. <laughs> so my recollection, <laughs> right? So my recollection is that William and I kind of hemmed and hawed about that decision, and that somehow we were like, oh, "Well, I think maybe Matt already lived in. Did he live in Matt Milwaukee already by then?"
0: He was somewhat removed. I don't know if he had actually yeah. physically moved. Or maybe just. To, yeah. To move. Or
1: maybe just on the other side of town or something. Yeah. And so we're like, well, yeah, but how about Caitlin? That should be interesting. And then we wrote a couple songs as Raina Maria. And then we were like, oh, Caitlin, why don't you try to sing this one on a song called, I think, Todd Haynes mm. was maybe the first one.
3: I don't remember this.
1: Yeah. And so, and it, originally the idea, at least for me, was I just assumed that I was singing because we didn't have anyone else. And then. It quickly became clear that Caitlin was herself a force to be reckoned with, and <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> no, thanks to I don't know time.
3: I was just recalling that ses- that session down in the basement when you were like, "Okay, sing out," and I couldn't do it. And then you were like, "Sing out," and then and then I did it. Yeah, and well, you needed yeah, some encouragement, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, I remember you being like, "Turn the guitar up." Like, I had this ugly little – those Marshall Valve State amps had just come out, and I had one of those. It was my first <laughs> guitar amp. And they're really loud and awful sounding. And I remember Keelan being like, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up further. Like, turn it all the way up so that she would feel, like, sort of blanketed while ah. she started screaming, you know, this sort of, like, hollering
2: to really start to get that feel, Yeah, you know. And then the, the sort of control came later, I think. Mm-hmm. And then those early songs, like, connecting on again, I I think the – the sound, the mirror, to all, to me was always this big, open, but like controlled. And did you were there? Was it like everyone was like, "This is the band we all love. We want to emulate," or was it just you three in the room? Do you had did you feel anything, or
0: uh, it was all three of us in the room? I think I mean we were coming from different places musically. I mean, not not hugely different, but we all had our own, you know influences that weren't necessarily shared by everyone um and it was just i mean those influences i think you can maybe see in our music a little bit but because they're interpreted through three different filters by the time the songs are finished um i think they do become wholly unique yeah uh, in a sense as well Mm -hmm. so but no we never like put a record on and said well we want to do this thing
3: oh my god not even close we
0: would never have thought to do something like that
3: yeah um
1: it would have been impossible, actually. Like yeah. the the role of like everyone's limited capacity in the early days is not to be overlooked, which was no impediment. I mean, that was like very much.
2: You only had so much.
1: You only had so much, and and that was seen as a virtue at that time. Like like if you look at like K Records, you know, like um, you know, beat happening or something like that. Those bands were all really bikini kill. Those were really influential. Where it, virtuosity was like kind of almost even looked down upon, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was going to be no impediment, but it did really color the kind of choices we could make. I mean, it was. I can barely now play anybody else's songs on guitar. Yeah, <laughs> like that's never been that's a goal. Never been our thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do. Like I could
2: never play covers. covers. I was. I knew. I learn like the chorus and then uh, right. no, no, yeah. anything else. Yeah, we
0: all we all learned independently. You know, I don't think any of us had lessons. No, really.
3: oh, that's cool. Re- Rebel Girl was the first baseline I learned. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Two notes, right? Yeah. Two notes. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck, I can do this. <laughs>
2: And was the, the that scene what other bands were you playing with early on as you like it was whose basement was it that had a lot of these shows or was it just everybody's
3: We lived in the same house. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. on so, our basement. Yeah, the 302. The first show I I met Kai in a poetry class and she was like, "Come to a come to a basement show." So I showed up and that was my first mm-hmm. basement show and there you know you had handwritten signs. Mhm you know all ages no no smoking no drugs i don't remember what they all said but and figuring it out right and then uh christmas lights on the on the beams this basement which flooded a few years later i mean it was like real (laughs) dingy awesome basement yeah so who was we played our first show in that basement yeah in september Mm -hmm.
1: and that was an ezra pound show and do you remember was i playing guitar at that show or just singing
3: I, you invited me to an Ezra Pound show. I don't remember. Because I remember we play. Mm. I was
1: playing, and you were in. The, okay. You were you were there.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember.
1: But I did I see Ezra that. Pound a few times. Do you Remember if I was on
3: guitar at that point? I
0: think you were on guitar at that point.
1: Yeah. So yeah. that would have been maybe early, late spring or early summer of ninety five. Ninety five.
0: Ninety
1: five? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ninety five. 95. Yeah. <laughs> this happens a lot where that <laughs> will be like so ninety four or ninety five. Well, the thing remember. is that those the years are like. <laughs> All the, what happened in the course of that year felt like so much stuff at that yeah. time, you know, in a yeah. way that it isn't doesn't seem the same way now. But like you know, Ezra Pound as a band existed really short, but made all this music and stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was doing your seven inch. I was stuffing the Ezra Pound seven inch. I remember right in that, summer. In that house. Uh-huh, that yeah, summer.
1: probably weeks before Rain and was playing. right. <laughs> but yeah, it felt, right. Like totally, but felt like a universe of like years.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Who and the name came from. For the name of Rana Maria was Rain that Maria from Rilke. Raina Maria mm-hmm. Mar- 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 yeah.
1: yeah it was almost a joke because we there was an we, the old band was Ezra Pound, and so that was floated as a bit of, with a bit of a like a wink, <laughs> but then we just couldn't beat it. We were almost called. <laughs> Two star music club. I'm, and which I'm glad. Like, can you imagine the wow. disaster? Like, how unpopular. It was? how much of the spine
2: would have been f- taken up by that? Yeah, too? and then just like every review being like, "Yep, they
1: nailed it." Two stars. You know?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The <laughs> right? are already there. Uh, yeah. Sorry, just didn't make it one and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
1: but so we couldn't find a better name. You know? <laughs> In fact, if you have any recommendations, we're still considering. No. You know. <laughs>
2: And in '95, had you heard the word? This is the podcast emo. Had you heard the word? No, no. Uh,
1: yes, you had from yeah number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that word for the first time in about 1990.
0: Yeah, it was like '89, '90. The first time I heard it from
2: yeah. DC stuff, or yeah,
0: f- yeah, like Maximum Rock and Roll, like yeah, like Fugazi, or no, but I mean even like right, of, write, like Embrace, like they're an emo band. I'm like, what's emo? right So yeah right to spring embrace yeah
1: yeah i remember that it was a a a word that was applied to a lot of the bands from dc that i I happen to really like yeah so i was very i was like that's kind of a dumb sounding word but i really like this music Mm -hmm. yeah
2: i mean that's how i've been related it to this like it was angular it was aggressive but it was also like quiet too like it kind of went back and forth to that Mm -hmm. when it easily went back and forth yeah um and it just obviously it's gone on to do a lot of different things. But at that that time, did did it feel that bands were connecting to it, or was it I'm an indie band, I'm a rock band, I'm like, or were people excited about it that that word or that that type of sound? Because it came from DC. I mean, that's respectable, you know. If it's on mm-hmm. Discord, all that stuff. Yeah.
3: I always felt like there was some resistance to it. Maybe I don't know. That was my perception. Like yeah. the first time I heard it was at the Braid House. And someone had cut what's out that? where house? Braid lived, yeah. And it's probably sure. 95 <laughs> or 96. And um, <laughs> someone had cut out a Remo drum head box and cut the R out. And I said, Emo, what's that? <laughs> oh, I said, oh, Emo. And they said, and the people laughed and said, well, that's the genre we're supposed to be. Oh, we're and supposed I said, to be? Oh, really? Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, I thought, you cannot quote yeah, yeah. me because I don't know exactly what was said, but it was something like Paraphrasing. that. Paraphrasing. Yeah, they were laughing. Like, <laughs> right. So did you sense resistance to the term? Well, I, I mean, I think. And why?
1: Well, there was, I mean, there had just been the 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 popular, this, the sort of public popularity of this comedian, Emo Phillips. Right. And so, <laughs> was that the same time? It was just, no, it, was, it had just happened like maybe a couple years prior. Oh, and so the ah. word just kind of sounded goofy to us.
0: Yeah. And it was like this guy with jet black hair with a weird haircut and wore yeah. white belts. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. There's so it's like. lines being blurred here. What's <laughs> yeah. going on?
1: So, which I think now people don't have that reference, right? you know, but I also want to say like, you know, it seems like you're saying, Oh, this was a, (laughs) this was a musical style. But for, I don't think for me that there was anything about the style of the music that was, Mm -hmm. that wasn't what it meant for me. That term was pointing at bands who, for whom like the, um, personal, like emotional work or something, you know, like your personal work, like could be, were doing, they were doing that kind of work they were using the musical performance as a format for doing that kind of work in public. Mm-hmm. And that was what differentiated them from maybe very similar sounding bands like Archers of low for something. And I'm sure that they obviously clearly they have an emotional component to their music, but it wasn't kind of like really out there. Yeah. In I mean, front. you know, when you went to see 10 boy summer, like Davey injured himself, you know, on stage, he broke his, he like destroyed his guitar and, and, and we all, understood that as a kind of like public processing of emotion and that was kind of like the defining thing was you knew people weren't kidding and there wasn't a sort of there was definitely like this issue of sort of anything that was just like to look cool to to, to come across it was like this thing of like per, your personal work being more important or something oh know, definitely that right? like the
3: aesthetic was like really toned down what you're wearing or like you know that wasn't as important as for sure what you were the outpouring of your feeling yeah, and the Therically. early yeah
1: the early like white belt crew like people made fun of them mercilessly. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like it was real. It was rough because it was coming out of this like, coming out of punk, or post punk or something. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of that stuff was born out of post punk. Yeah, mean, for example, Justin Pearson's three one G label. I mean, that's you know that's Warsaw Joy Division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> that's where that comes from. Yeah, so a lot of it came from like a very you know dark.
2: Post-punk, yeah,
0: side of music for sure. And
2: I always felt the sound was this m- moment of euphoria, but also a moment of you don't know if it's gonna break mm-hmm. or continue, right. like just yeah. that that tension.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and I think that's what I sort of find the root of that sound. There's a tension mm-hmm. throughout the song mm-hmm. or throughout a passage, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and as and in its in its midwestern sort of iteration in those days, there were really specific. You know, you were saying like when you asked, you know, were we trying to sound like bands? We definitely weren't trying to sound like bands, but there was a very specific kind of musical vocabulary that I think, you know, originated maybe in or around Captain Jazz and Braid. And, and we participated in that also um, about, um, you know, where like certain kinds of like drone strings up top, people were half tuning halfway open. And and there was, like, a conversation happening between the bands. Like, no one was trying to sound like each other, but people understood what was mm-hmm. happening musically with that and were definitely responding to each other. And so it felt, you know, I remember getting the Braid demo tape in the mail and being like, oh, and then, like, that advancing your own thinking about music, for
2: instance. So you're all kind of pushing each other.
1: Yeah, or just, like, feeding off each other, having a conversation,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And like, just, musically and also.
2: Yeah. I mean, you were all friends. It wasn't like oh, this... Yeah. You know, yeah, we toured it wasn't together. A battle of the bands every day. No, <laughs> no we <laughs> toured.
3: We put on. If we came to their town, they put on the show for us, and vice versa. And we yeah. do long tours together, like month-long tours, with multiple vans and. Um,
2: so, would you if when you when you were still in school? This was still in school, right? Ninety-five, ninety-six, mm-hmm. right? You guys were still. Yeah. When would you do this? Was it the fall breaks, the the winter one, during? or summer? Yeah, during school. When would you guys? Mm-hmm. Was yeah, it, during break. Was was it weekend yeah. stuff at the at the time?
0: We would do weekend stuff, you know, down to Illinois or Michigan. But then, like summer, of course, we would be there. gone yeah. the whole summer. Yeah, we'd try to be gone most yeah. of the summer. Yeah, and then winter break was good for a couple of weeks. <laughs> 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 and then yeah, spring break is good for like a week or so. Right. And yeah. you were
2: booking these.
0: Yeah, yeah. We did, I mean, did it all ourselves for a couple of years. I yeah. Mean, until I think ninety nine. Wow. Like the first four years of our existence.
1: I think I did the first one, and then William was like, hey, you mind if I do the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Why? What happened on the first
2: tour? I don't know. It, just it was, was, it was people fine. Didn't show but, up, but I was like,
1: sure, whatever. And the, he built, William is just like a lot better with itineraries and stuff like that than I am. I don't remember it being particularly bad. <laughs> like it was bad. Like
2: a subtle, like, do you mind just passing? It by? was a little like that, yeah.
1: I was like, sure, you want to do one? <laughs> and then ever since then, it's
2: just in your corner. Oh, my gosh, so. yeah. And then how did you guys get connected with polyvinyl?
3: Oh, I like this story matt you, just showed
2: up
0: at
3: a show right everyone just looked at each other <laughs> waiting for someone else oh, to start.
0: matt was doing i think bill does it better william knows it better than i do matt matt was doing a zine <laughs> called polyvinyl for oh yeah a short amount of time oh. and he had just put out a couple seven inches i think there was a braid seven inch and i can't recall what the other seven inch was um and he was doing a compilation which what what a lot of record labels do at the beginning to like get a bunch of bands involved and have, you know, a draw. Mm-hmm. And he saw us playing With Promise Ring. Yeah, a, about about Promise Ring. Yeah. I think I remember talking about the Promise Ring show. This was like, this would have been late 95. Oh, wow.
2: Um, what did Promise Ring have at that time? Just probably a seven inch. Yeah, it was like,
0: like a demo. Stuff. There was a demo, demo. tape. Yeah. That everyone was really excited about. Yeah. And he wow. asked, he asked if we wanted to, you know, submit a song for the compilation. And uh, he actually asked, he asked if Ezra Pound wanted to submit a song right and we're like sure but we all have this new band (laughs) because yeah no he hadn't seen us and he called and asked if Ezra Pound wanted to submit a song and we said sure but we also have this new band called Rainer Maria and he's like oh yeah send something over and Mm -hmm. apparently he liked it because they put our song first on the compilation (laughs) so (laughs) that helps there's there's also an Ezra Pound song on that compilation as well oh cool so and that's how we started and I don't think we ever considered working with anyone else after that yeah you know
1: um, yeah, I mean, Matt, we grew... Polyvinyl grew, like, nicely with us and vice versa, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was Absolutely. Polyvinyl Press at the beginning. I forgot that, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And then, I mean, like I said earlier, many other bands kind of reference you guys as learning the ropes. Pedro went on and on when I saw him the last mm-hmm. time. Of just I learned that from William or I learned <laughs> the tour with them. Like, you know, That's so you sweet. guys were a little bit of a trailblazer for this. Did you feel that when you were kind of trading these shows? Or did you sense... That this was something a little bit more than us playing these weekend shows. Yes, you were serious about a band and wanted mm-hmm. to be, but the community
3: part of it—there right? was a real community. There was at Madison. Was so there, Madison was a real community of people who wanted to kind of find their own space mm-hmm. and were, you know, relevant today. Have a have a safe space to express yourself and be yourself, and. Yeah. Um, and those spaces we had to create, so it was either the basements or yeah,
2: because it wasn't there wasn't a like a class for it,
3: right? No, <laughs> no. no, no. it was all College DIY, lady, but not really. Yeah, yeah. right. It was and then you got to be friends with the people that worked at Kinkos, and then you'd wind up playing at their co-op, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. go ahead, you were going to say something. I don't no? know. Oh,
2: the Kinko, there's, oh I you're asking about, about
1: community. Yeah. I mean, there. I think there wasn't like a conscious mentorship or program or something that we were implementing at all. And, and there was no, I don't think we saw ourselves as at knowing any better than anyone, but we had definitely like, you know, the collective that, that Rayna Maria sort of like emerged from or whatever, like um, that was setting up shows like had done that already for a couple of years. Like maybe when did that start, When Would you say like ninety? I mean, maybe it was early as like fall of 93. It was fall of 93. Yeah. yeah it was like, we mm-hmm. were basically by the fall or winter of 93 setting up shows. Wow. With this like so-called P is for Punk collective. And so by the time Reina Maria was ready to start playing shows, we'd hosted bands from all over the country for two years. Mm-hmm. So by the time it was, we were going to the West coast, You're we friends knew with someone. Them. Yeah. We knew people in Goleta. We knew people in San Diego. We knew people in San Francisco. We knew people in LA. Um, and it was just a thing where you know p- they had slept on our floors we had cooked them dinner you know like and we love their bands and we and vice versa and so there was a real beautiful network that of just people sort of like returning the favor and so
2: yeah I don't know if that yeah question? I just feel like that moment like that before internet moment yes you might mm-hmm. had email or really basic or one person had it mm-hmm. but right. that you had to have them at your house you had to have that personal connection that wasn't a Facebook message for five seconds and all of a sudden you have a show across the country. Like, it took time. Right, absolutely. And it, yeah. like, built... I think that's where that deeper connection, deeper community yeah, fostered Yeah, this... Yeah. Like, you were... It's like there's not this f- fleeting moment around a band. It was... No. You guys were in it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, all right, let's do this and get fucking huge right. <laughs> right, right right
3: i mean because a little you know literally a band would break down in your town and they'd live with you for three or four days while their van got fixed yeah. i mean you really got <laughs> or a hurricane would blow through or we got trapped by a snowstorm in ohio for mm-hmm. four days yeah. or something like that yeah. living with this one guy <laughs> what house what band lived in that it was house Kent
1: from kent
0: ohio
3: it was kent from kent ohio but yeah, there was a band yeah, yeah. that was no, on tour to from that house
0: of <laughs> uh, uh what they were gone though I think yeah Yeah, was it uh, Harriet the Spy maybe yeah Harriet the Spy House Party of Helicopters yeah one of those bands (laughs) Same people I think but yeah one of those bands and yeah they were out of town but they're like yeah Crash so
2: and then for you going through the school like I mean I always had my parents asking what are you gonna do you buy all these band shirts and you have all these CDs from the radio station what are you gonna do did you ever have that because I got that constantly like what are you gonna do with all this like Mm -hmm. was it
3: Fortunately, we had supportive parents, I think all of us. And yeah. our parents would house us during a tour. That was yeah, always a yeah, great yeah. spot when you stopped Absolutely. at your parents' house. Oh, yeah. And Clean underwear. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> never Cookies. I, yeah. I remember my
1: dad once being like, came to see us. They, my parents came to see the emos, and afterwards he was like, Is this what we raised him for? <laughs> 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 Jump around on stage like a trained monkey. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my God. Like. You know, but like, whatever, it was fine. You know, like this is punk rock. It's not like, you know, it's not for everyone. Of course you don't like it, dad. That's why we made it. <laughs> You're not supposed to <laughs> like it. Yeah, exactly. If you liked it, we would be failing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were definitely, everyone was fine. My parents had me, you know, they let me go
3: to shows in Austin during high school, like till five in the morning on a weeknight. Oh, by wow. Senior year and stuff. So That's We had great. a club called the Anthrox in Norwalk, Connecticut when I was in high school that was hardcore, like Gorilla Biscuits. 76% uncertain, all that stuff. So they knew I was into that scene, I think. Yeah.
2: That's good. And they let you yeah. go and they knew. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I my sister hated me because she was older and had like a, a curfew, but my shows were ending at midnight at that teen center in Vermont. And my parents let me do that because they knew I wasn't fucking off. Right. <laughs> I right. Like, Actually, oh, yeah. sure. like at a... a show, there was like, it wasn't any alcohol. I was going to like, all I was, I was there. Yeah. If they right. needed me. It wasn't that's like the I was galvanizing in the yeah. countryside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like Space. interesting how it yeah. kind of like helped me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. I'm not fucking off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, as we probably all would have
2: been yeah. had we not been in shows. Like, what else? That's what do? I mean. Like that. Like I mentioned mm-hmm. the two four two main. Like I. That's the reason I'm sitting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned to see. Oh, that's how a band acts. or they're at the merch table doing this, or there's a food not bombs thing drop off food or a a, a distro and oh Mm -hmm. what's that label yeah it's like you could open your mind versus what top 40 you know spit at you no exactly right right um but you know your your comment about the
1: sort of um the difference in the communication technologies and stuff like that is pretty astute and i think it did have something to do with i mean every sort of change in communication technology and other and and different social factors makes possible the scenes we have today and there are like really weird dumb things that made all that possible like you're like how does that work that you all just got in vans and drove around but like gas was so cheap it was like yeah. during a time when gas a was dollar. Su- under a dollar under a dollar that under was the, a dollar yeah, under a dollar and like and cds were happening so it was like they cost very little to make and you sold them for a bunch of money and there wasn't file sharing yet so if people wanted the music they had to do that so it was the the economics of being a very small band worked a lot better than than they do now for mm-hmm. sure
2: And then, I guess jumping, I was going to do 97, um, but Kinsella, when did you meet Mike and that whole crew? Mm -hmm.
3: Very early. Oh, yeah. I mean, before. Right away. Yeah. Was he 16 or something? I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, Mike was still in high school. I think. Yeah. He's a couple. He's a few years younger than we are. I think two years younger. Yeah. Mike
1: might have even been been just before his 16th birthday. He was young. Yeah.
2: And he he was coming to shows? No, no, no.
1: We we set up a Captain Jazz show at at the neighborhood house. Yeah, yeah. And it was before Davey was in the band. Tim,
0: Tim, I think Tim was a freshman in college yeah maybe. So oh wow Mike, yeah. was, still, Mike still
1: was in high school. school Mike had a really bad cold <laughs> and and um, Victor had a giant, had the biggest wad of blue bubble gum in his mouth I'd ever seen during the whole set I remember him like singing those backup <laughs> That's vocals a very specific memory no because I remember him singing those because they had those really arresting backup vocals where Victor would just hold these notes ah! yeah and I remember there's photos from the show of him with like a big like his whole mouth is blue and he's standing at the mic going ah! And, and we had never heard anything or seen anything like that. Like that first show was so, for me, it was like, yeah, it was like, oh my God, I don't Mm -hmm. want to do anything but make,
2: do whatever that is. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And then 97, that was, were you guys still in school then?
3: No. Summer
0: of 97, everyone was out. Yeah. Yeah. That was it.
2: So that was, Hey, we're doing this full time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I turned
1: in my senior thesis and literally like we dropped it off from the van on the way to go on the the password searching tour. Like I was like, before we go, like pull it at (laughs) my professor's house. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally two month tour. Yeah. Two months. Didn't know any better. It was long. It was
0: really long. (laughs) Two months is a long time. Yes. What, what else about it? Everything you could possibly feel (laughs) that you didn't know you could even. What is this emotion I'm feeling? Yeah.
2: And you book that. I think that yeah, was you
0: it was, I booked a lot of it um, A month of it was with Braid And Bob Nana booked Thanks Bob A fair amount of dates For that leg mm-hmm. Right, I, right I think we did half and half And then the second half I did by myself Maybe they did West Coast Or something I right? think they did the West Coast and like a huge, yeah. few spots Who else
2: were you Was there anyone else On those bills That you remember oh. When
0: was
3: cool well, we went to Texas Always had great I bands that. that we played, played with, played with. Didn't I don't play remember with... if we did
1: Car Bomb and Trigger on that tour as well, or if we had just done them on that earlier I tour. Think it was
0: an early tour. Uh, I remember. I remember doing the West Coast stage with this band called Titari, which um, some of the members went on to be in Black Dice, a hardcore band, um, art rock band. Um, that was like all the West Coast. Um, other mm-hmm. than that, it was just like us and Braid, and then you know whatever. What's his name? Host.
1: Hosted yeah. this at Pickle Patch. What's that kid's name?
0: Oh, Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki. Oh, yeah, show. yeah. He did our shows in Goleta, Santa <laughs> Barbara. So, cool. so yeah, he did that. He was so he nice. did that tour that show. Yeah, nice. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah. That was a good time. Yeah, Steve Aoki and Dylan. That Altendora house was like
3: just like wall to wall people sleeping. Was yeah, wasn't that? It was absolutely. so crowded. We had to sleep in the van. Yeah. I think or yeah, some wow. of us did because yeah, yeah, literally there, there were bodies we everywhere sleeping there's too many people
0: sleeping sleep in the van because he would play in the living room and then everyone would like push the gear and then you would sleep where everyone was just standing and drinking and playing. Yeah. And
2: I want the listeners to realize that at this time there's no internet, so right. no Facebook, no Instagram. So you've got a 40 minute set and then you have to, you know, make do. Oh, talk yeah. how yeah, we'll trouble was out. that? Oh. Yeah. You actually have to hang out and talk to people. I know. What right? was that like? Yeah. Face Take time. us back.
0: Yeah. That kind of FaceTime. <laughs>
2: No, actually, I think about that now because when the show ends or the, the song ends, it's like, yeah. thunk, swipe, swipe, swipe. Mm, right. And I, right. I remember no. seeing pictures of shows that a lot Bob took. I love his photos that he posts. Yeah. You see this attention. You know, I'm looking at you, Caitlin. or I'm looking at you, Kyle. Like, it's like a, there's this different attention that's not wavering. Yeah. And I know that's not talking like a grandpa, but more of like, I just, I loved that. There, that's yeah. all that was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing else was... I didn't have a, I didn't have an email about something like it just, it was a fun, like I felt that that was like a, a connection to the music that I can't get back.
3: I think there was an, an urge to tune in rather than tune out. Like, because it was like tuning out maybe like the mainstream or the noise that was there and tuning into this subculture yeah, that was your own. And, and, and also how amazing it was to go to, 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 to be a guest at different scenes Cause, and there would be very different scenes, but all united. And, you know, hear people speaking differently with, you know, so many inside jokes. And, I mean, it was just always amazing to be out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, touring was great because of regionalism. You know, regionalism doesn't really exist. That's the, the word. way it did back then because, you know, everyone is so connected. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, every place was so first time because everyone had their own slang and lingo and inside jokes that... You just wouldn't have heard unless you were there or unless you know, one of those bands came through like a San Francisco Bay Area band came through and played and like, what are they talking about? And then you would go play there and you're like, everyone's talking like that. And I'm like, oh, OK. All right. We get it. We get those jokes. now." Didn't have Urban Dictionary. Oh, exactly.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. And like sometimes you would roll into and there would be tons of people waiting outside yeah. to get to the show. And then mm-hmm. sometimes. There would be people showing up from surfing, and it would take a while for the house to fill up, and then sometimes Santa Barbara, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was great. No, you're you're right that actually,
1: you know, the, a lot of the Rain and Maria songs start, you know, lyrically. There's like a maybe a specific life event or turn events that happens, and then you kind of like build a like little fictional safe shell around that so there's like a thing that you're singing about that's real but maybe like not every detail in the song is totally real life you know what i mean it's kind of like a protective method or something but artificial light was about the advent of the internet really you know that song was the the original i mean it's clearly about a lot more than that but the sort of that little Mm -hmm. kernel of factoid was like this thing of like wait we're all on the computer all of a sudden a whole bunch all the time Mm -hmm. and like what's that about what does that mean so there's this saying like hey no one's like Considering what this means, you know, no one defies artificial light, like, and that song that in retrospect, very prescient sort of moment of thought, thought that, you know, still we're maybe not considering
2: enough. I don't know. It's just the, you know, the, you're like your dad saying, you know, I don't like this sound. It's always been that, you know, it was always Elvis or whatever it was. Yeah. But there was a time where I feel like it just sped up. And I think that was, you know, 99, 2000. Um, you know, you guys had moved to New York mm-hmm. at that around that time. Like it just got fast really quickly Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't this gradual feel um, and I think music was affected by that because people found out about I mean before you would go to the show and found out what someone looked like you know Mm -hmm. Um, I once asked where Blake Schwarzenbach was or because I didn't know what he looked like you know or uh, was Dave no I think I was looking for Davey and I didn't know what he looked like and I asked Blake not knowing who he was just thinking you're at the venue that's what it was but it's not like I could go search it real quick Right. Um, It just seemed to um, take away some of that little I don't know magic part about the
0: unknown. Yeah, the discovery aspect.
2: Mm -hmm. Like someone can look up every show, like a bunch of shows. I'm sure people put VHS tapes of performances, and Mm -hmm. there wasn't that. Like I don't. Yes, someone told me to come. William told me to see this show. That's all I had. I didn't Mm -hmm. have a. I didn't go search forever.
3: And now there's a sense that you do know someone, even though you haven't ever met them in person. You've seen their. Dog, cat, children—exactly. Um, yeah, you've seen them happy, sad. You've gone through parts of their lives with them.
2: It's uh, people I'll see randomly, like every three—that three to six-month friend—and they know so much. Yeah, and you're like, oh, cool. How was you know Hawaii? Like, oh, you're right. Yeah, I did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm. that I did that. Yeah.
1: My, some of my Instagram friends are more likely to show up in my dreams than my roommate. You know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> I never dreamed about my roommate. I live with that guy, but I love I that quote, and he's That's great. Fantastic.
2: That has to be a uh, lyric.
1: But you know, like those you're like spend all day looking at your phone, like all all yeah. those people that you're connected with loom large in your
2: consciousness whether or not you actually have any idea who they are in a certain regard. Um moving to New York, what was the reasons um was it everyone was it jobs, was it this is where everybody was, what were some of the reasons?
3: Well, William's girlfriend was going to at the time was going to FIT. Mhm. And my family was obviously from out here. And Kaya's sister was going to Sarah, uh, Lawrence. Sarah Lawrence. So it, we, we could have, we, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was long overdue because Madison was amazing to stay there. But I think we were all ready to make a change together. Yeah. So we packed up the van and then we drove a little bit and then it was too loaded and <laughs> heavy. So we had to drive back, donate some things <laughs> and then repack That's it. That's
2: amazing. What did you have to donate?
3: I think we donated books, well, sadly. I think William books. and
1: his girlfriend had rented a yeah. van.
3: And took all the music gear, yeah. right? Well, no, not all of it. Some, Some of it. Okay. There was a lot yeah, of it.
0: There was a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We packed as much as we could. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Like, oh, we'll be able to get the rest. Yeah. And it did fit. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. it fit. It fit. But the van way. had almost yeah. no, <laughs> no rear
3: steerage. <laughs> it was <like> <laughs> 1979
0: Econo line. Yeah. It, it, it probably wasn't fit to be driven anywhere with anything in it. <laughs> Yeah, but, it was just a but
3: we sh- yeah. always drove vans like that. Yeah,
0: that was the that was we pushed only that, option. Yeah. We pushed
1: that van through Pittsburgh one day. I remember just like oh. literally shoving it like going like
0: wait the, through the like through, through a the tunnel.
1: tunnel. Yeah, because yeah, the city is like there's no way to get out of the center city without crossing a bridge or a tunnel. So it's like, well, do we want to push it across a bridge or through a tunnel, which is worse? You know, <laughs> where were you pushing it to? Wherever uh, the wherever we we're going to get it repaired shop, I guess, yeah. or something. Yeah,
0: because yeah, we couldn't afford to get it towed.
1: Yeah, no,
0: no way. <laughs> Fifty bucks? Are You kidding? So are you kidding? are okay, we gonna fix it or tow it? It's like one or the other.
3: Yeah. Oh, so man. we made the move and yeah, wound up here.
1: Actually, that van thing is what is the colonel? One of the colonels behind Breakfast at Champions was. We thought we were going to be on our way to New York, and we had to stay an extra day in Madison. And we had breakfast with a friend yeah. the next morning, and it was yeah. like it was like we were so upset that we hadn't been able made it
2: out of town, but we <laughs> got to see this friend. Mm-hmm. It's so I had to go back. <laughs> I had to go back. Yeah, you're already all psyched. Yeah, turn that baby around. <laughs> um, and then I mean, '99 was a you guys had look now look again right, mm-hmm. and then the the Atlantic three song EP. Yeah. And I was kind of... It was funny. I was looking back at some of the the press. It was pretty rad. Like, 99 was all right. 99 was pretty good.
1: <laughs> was
3: that the year of radio, college radio?
1: Spin. Well, we... Spin, Spin, right? Put us in, like, top 20 albums of the year. Yeah.
3: Yeah. For little,
0: like, with Nine like Inch Nails, nails and, and stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah. The top. Yeah. It was, like, Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails and... Fiona Apple, yeah. Fiona Apple, yeah. <laughs> Fiona Apple, yeah. Was what was good? the secret sauce? What was going on? <laughs> I have no idea. We just... College Radio yeah. did an amazing job yeah. playing no, there, that record. There, there and was, the, there was a specific thing that happened which was
1: Jeff, someone told Jeff, you were talking about people telling you to go to shows, told this um, guy Jeff Solomon to come to our show. Right. And he really... He was, was yeah. a writer for Spin. He wrote. And he, yeah. he was a, a journalist and he um, he bought a whole bunch of copies of the record or maybe asked Polyvinyl for them and he like literally went and dropped them on the editor's desk at wow. Spin. Wow. That does it. and yeah, That, that was, helps. And yeah. that was... I think a big deal. Yeah. That wasn't anything anyone had but done. That was
0: nothing that we planned to do. No, we didn't not like at call all. This person. Yeah, like, no. It was like, but it who happened came to organically. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was totally organic.
0: Yeah, we had no PR, I and mean, this was polyvinyl. But polyvinyl had never hired anyone to do. So PR. it was them. They were doing. So it. So all of a sudden, we're in spin like every other month, and we're like, he's like, maybe we should pay someone. <laughs> to do pr because there might be <laughs> life for this band beyond spin <laughs> you so think we were like discussing budgets and it was like some ridiculous amount like a thousand dollars it's like can we afford to do this <laughs> i guess it might pay off i don't know so that was like yeah, yeah again like the band growing and the label catching yeah up and like the label growing and the band catching up we did that for yeah like so the was, there career, yeah. was there more stuff was
2: there more stuff after that, like, what were you guys? I don't remember. Um, uh-huh. I was still in college. So I was probably playing your record. Uh-huh. But what was there, was there? Did you hire someone to help after that? The stage? next record. The
0: next record, definitely. Yeah. yeah. For
2: a better version of me. Yeah. 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 Yep. That was so. Mm-hmm. In between '99 and 2001, that was. I mean, I had moved here in 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. I mean, it was definitely that like Brit poppy stuff, mm-hmm. and then the Brooklyn thing, yeah. mm-hmm. and it, the the critic kind of turned. That Absolutely. was like, well that's cool. That's yeah, yeah. that's what's
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was like pitch four, eight, whatever, point nine for yeah, look now and then better version didn't get a review. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> but that's that interesting I, I
2: wrote like, you know, the the that Strokes thing. Like I mean that was we the label I work for, T V T we're trying to sign bands that sounded like them and none of them did. Right. You know, it was just, it was yeah. just funny how it kind of turned from 99 where it's like amazing to that's nice. Back to the, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's happening in Brooklyn. Right. Well, the, thing. I like, think at the main yeah. commercial level, but
1: didn't, which it was like one of those records went to number two on CMJ and one of them went to number one. And I forget yeah, which better
0: version was number one on CMJ. Yeah. 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 So, so, like at the, and MTV were actually calling us asking for a, a video. Really? Yeah. Like when we want to play your video, do you have a video? So we had to like scramble money no together way. and like get a video.
2: Who there was was it someone you knew or was no, it random? It was
0: just I, I think it was you know a fan you know a fan of the band and we didn't end up scrambling money together for a video for that album. It wasn't until Long Knives is where we made our first video. Did
3: yeah. we play some live thing at MTV though? We
0: did, yeah. During Long Knives for sure. Yep. Yeah. And there was mm-hmm. one at Spin through Courtney. There's one
2: at Spin for maybe on the other record.
0: Uh huh. Yep.
2: And then all this time touring, going out, and doing the same thing, right? I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. We did. I mean, we had we did have an agent, a booking agent. Good, you didn't have to for, do the work. Yeah, better version. <laughs> no, it just got to be. I mean, we were. It was at the point where we played Emos in Austin, and Graham, who is still doing a great job promoting shows, he has his own company now in Austin. He came up to me after the show and said, "This is the biggest show I've ever done without a contract." This is great, but you should think about getting an agent <laughs> really, but yeah, because we sold it out, and he's like, "This is crazy, you don't have an agent. We just like did this like with one phone call. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think there was some interest, but there wasn't like gobs of interest, but you know we we met Eric Dimenstein, who is still our booking agent after all these years, because Superchunk asked us to go on tour, and like mm. the agency that he was interning for at the time i think um booked them so and we were eric's first band wow yeah and now he does ground control chewing who just you know yeah fantastic every great band
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that that again that you guys were sort of there a little bit before right you know you were kind of figuring it out with With the the booking agent yeah and then just starting out yeah stayed on Mm mm-hmm Yeah, yeah. Which I think is rare.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we got a bit of it as luck. A bit of it as just, like, being particular with who we work with. Yeah. So.
1: Well, and we we never had, like, the kind of image that was going to bring a bunch of... Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't some kind of, like, like really mass market thing. thing. Yeah, Yeah. we
0: weren't, like, a flavor of the day by any means. Whoever we worked with really liked us. But I feel like
2: at that time, too, you were playing with a bunch of different bands. It wasn't... And which was... The back, you know, you'd play with a hardcore band, you'd play with an indie band. It wasn't this Mm -hmm. packaged. Every band sounds like X, right? Um, And especially in New York, you had access to. If it was that indie rock scene, or if it was the Brit poppy stuff, Mm -hmm. um, did you guys feel that? That you kind of went in between all those genres or bands? Yeah, I just feel like I'd see a flyer and it would be like, oh, cool, random. Oh, didn't think like it's. It wasn't like I'm going to expect every band to look the same
0: yeah you know, no absolutely. not look but no know, no i mean we would world. play with like indie bands like versus and we'd play with hardcore bands like converge or you know we'd play with punk bands it yeah. was yeah i think and part of it was us like wanting to like we all yeah just in lots of different kinds of music and part of it was i think the music could actually fit with all those different yeah. bands
1: i remember that thing at that show in new jersey that guy being like you
0: you guys are the only band me and my girlfriend agree about. <laughs> At this, That's like awesome, this like hardcore show, you know. A dude who had been like windmilling in the pit like five minutes earlier
2: <laughs> for Random Maria or a different band. I think
0: oh. it was for a different band. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was for us. I didn't wear my glasses when I played the drums. I didn't have contacts, so I couldn't really see. That'd be awesome. That's a
2: good one. Um, and was the word. You know, was emo a hindrance at a time, at that time? Because that was almost, you know, Bleed American era, 2001. Right. Definitely a lot of more focus on that sound, that band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that record hit, I there's a I some A&R guy handed me the record and said, you like this band, go listen to it. And I went back and said, did you know that this has five hits on it? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's fine, Tom. They're going to. They're gonna be. Uh, they're gonna play Irving Plaza for you and sell sixty thousand. And I was like, No, this is. And it ended up. Then I had meetings with the, you know, the head of A and R and all these things. That that moment, that right, yeah, yeah, scene was getting mm-hmm. plucked.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: From your perspective, that's why I was at a label, kind of feeling that. Did it feel that more people were at the, sh- the different folks were at the show? Versus
3: I do remember A very big Bowery ballroom show Around that time We're yeah. talking like 2000 like No I think it was Like a Rainer Maria Bowery ballroom Oh wow Yeah and I just remember Looking out And the, the crowd I could just see The light was on enough And I saw people In the way back Smiling like the way back And we had sold out And I was like Whoa this is big This wow. is like
0: yeah.
3: Beyond what I even imagined Could ever And people too. were smiling Back there So I was like Wow Cool Yeah <laughs> Cause it's hard to
2: see All the way back Yeah Yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> hmm. You're know, you wondering about the scene-wise, or yeah, just that,
2: s- like in New York that time,
0: right? Well, it was weird in New York because, like you said, the like the Strokes thing happened about the same time Better Version came out, so that was Better Version is where we saw the step up from like headlining Brownies, which is 200 capacity, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, just a matter of not even. 12 months later, we were selling out Bowery Ballroom, which is like 600 capacity. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if there's any kind of correspondence but with what you're saying. But, I mean, definitely, we, we, we started to see new bands blow up really quick yeah. in like the quote unquote emo genre. Like, we would hear about a band, and then all of a sudden, a year later, they were signed on a major label and huge. Yeah. Like, there was interest from like the top of the pyramid. And, you know, our scene of music or like, you know, smaller indie bands, they were long, no longer ignored. He was yeah. playing our people at small shows. Yeah. Right. There was
2: like the whole, I always laughed when there was that showcase shows at Mercury Lounge, the 7pm right. and yeah. it was like the, you know, the limos popped up, they pop out yeah. and yeah, then yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Look, my friend's bands are at yeah. these
1: shows. What's yeah, yeah. going on? Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Well yeah. And I, I think there's also like the... Like when you, from the perspective of, of like the current perspective, like looking back, especially for people who are second or third generation kind of, so to speak like mini generation listeners, like some of the sort of micro, um, different in these of these genres and subgenres are lost. Right. So like, I don't think we in any sense saw ourselves as playing the same kind of music as green day, you know? Right. Like they were like cousins or something like, like East Bay pop punk was a big influence on mm-hmm. us, but we didn't consider that them doing like jawbreaker was straddling the bridge but the divide between emo and east bay pop punk right and so um so some of that was ha- was happening like you're kind of pointing at, i think in these neighboring subgenres. so yeah. the brooklyn thing was it was influential on us you know absolutely yeah and we were friends with liars and or you know like we're yeah. shows with them you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 played Talked their first show that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. we took them on tour. The Mercury
0: yeah. Was it their one? first show? The first no. show outside of New York cuz we took them on a little tour, so their first. That's show what I mean again. Yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. like
2: this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah had this like, you know, moment, but you were there to kind of like, come on out with us. I right. had already done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly. Right. I
3: I remember like talking to Karen before her, the show and she and we had like a nice conversation and then I got when she I saw her on stage a few minutes later, I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome." Yeah. And then we introduced them to our booking agent, right? I think, was he or there? Did, was he there?
0: I just, I, I took them to one of their shows at Mercury Lounge. I'm like, this is my favorite band. You need to book this band. It's going to be huge. He's like, oh, do they have a label? Do they have distribution? I'm like, dude, just do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I said. And he's like, okay, I get it, of course. They're, 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 they're amazing. Hey, a friend yeah. at work that
2: Bowery's told me to come to one of their shows at Mercury um, and it was like, um, okay, well, this is, this is going to be something. Right. right. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: <laughs> Totally.
2: It was like they were playing a big show and there was, I don't know, 15 people there. Right. That's right. what, with that cool feeling of, yeah. they knew it. Right. Too. Right. Totally.
1: But I think that same principle musically that like allowed us to slot in with Converge on the one hand and Jawbreaker on the other and Captain Jazz over here, like also meant that. When one of these little scenes got really hot, like we didn't automatically suck up with it because we didn't we never n- fit neatly into those. You Did know? you feel that throughout?
2: Like you just didn't
1: like now I think we're part of this like sort of larger sort of emo thing. It's like that container is expanded and so there's not that right. d- differentiation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, I think that like we we were never you know, like we you know, we had a manager we at one were, point a little, yeah. but it it wasn't quite a good
0: We were manager. never the quintessential Whatever word, whatever genre band, right? Right. You know, so it's a little bit harder for people to gauge who you are and what you're doing, and Mm -hmm. for like major labels, it's a little bit harder to get your head around.
2: Was that hard? No. As a band, or you liked that?
0: I think that was good. Yeah. I mean, we did well. We we never
3: wanted anything
0: else. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, we. Yeah. I I meant that seriously. Like, yeah. yeah. How would you, you feel?
2: All your friends are then getting plucked off and. And you, right. you, but you were still
0: doing well, like yeah, selling yeah, out yeah. venues I mean, and touring, is, and people yeah. were
2: buying records. Polyvinyl was still doing great. They were getting bigger and bigger.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you are know, in the major label world. You know how many hands are on deck once a band gets to be on a major label. I mean, there's so many, there's so many percentage points being floated away from the so people. many places for it to go wrong. Right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when we're splitting the pie three ways, you know, aside from our booking agent. You know, we don't have to be, you know, selling out 3000 capacity venues to be able to make a living Mm -hmm. and it's, it's less stress. There are fewer, fewer people to answer to. We just answer to our bandmates (laughs) and that's it. You know, we don't have people dictating, um, what to do with our music or our lives in general. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think it's a good trade off. Less stress.
2: How did you guys keep it? You know, living in New York, different (laughs) budgets. (laughs) Yeah. How did you guys, you know, that could have been a stress. How was that through those first few years? I mean, even through if it was long knives and was it you guys were on the road enough where <laughs> you had a place, a floor, but yeah. well, my
3: parents were generous and we stayed with them for a while, Cool, yeah. all of us. And then, well, and then and
1: that was like when we first made the move that year, I remember I had a little, the, the year that we toured our, um, better version of me. I remember I had a little, one of those little red 20, whatever, 2001 or whatever it was, 2003 um year planners and i put a little there's like a big calendar in the back and i put a little x on all the days when we had a show and i remember at the end of the year counting going we like we played 200 shows wow this year. Yeah, yeah we played a like, lot it was so. nuts like yeah, i couldn't yeah. believe it i was like there's 200 shows here in that one year wow and so i think william had moved in the city but had found a really good price place was splitting it with his then girlfriend
0: yeah it was i mean back then new york was actually not that expensive yeah. it was in green point yeah and my girlfriend and i a better place. And yeah. I wasn't paying much more than I was paying in Madison. Yeah. Wow. And Caitlin so, and I were yeah. still
1: out in Connecticut. So, you know, at that point, there was... Yeah, you know, it just still worked, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. And I looked, to uh, just looking back, and maybe there's more, but I thought, you know, Mates of State <laughs> <laughs> tour, yeah. Nolly, and then Coheed.
0: Right. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again, a band that you wouldn't necessarily think... Yeah.
2: How was that? What What uh, record were they doing then? That was was that um
0: it was the one they really blew up on in keeping
2: secrets yeah i think
0: i don't know mm. that was the
2: second record right cuz first record was second stage no it was what's the, what's the third, third record, record oh um everyone's yelling at me through the internet i forget i worked it or i was i forget <laughs> i think it was the one a-
1: i think it was
0: right when the one after was coming out sorry claudia yeah. no, the third one <laughs> yeah 2004 it was 2004 yeah cuz i remember getting the venues, the, you know, the tour schedule from their booking agent, and it was all like 600 capacity rooms. And then a week later, they had to switch all the venues to like 2,000 capacity rooms because that band blew up that fast. I was yeah. at
2: the label. Why am I forgetting? I was at the label at the time. But mm. I remember the warp Tour was the same thing. They were like, oh, uh, we have to move them <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. other yeah. stage. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was crazy. Too many kids are showing up. Yeah, What I loved about them was how different they sounded at the time. Mm -hmm. like his his vocals the melody it would turn people which Mm -hmm. i thought what a great you know band for you guys to tour with because that that fan base is a little more open
0: absolutely yeah yeah i mean we didn't have any negative experiences on that tour the fans were always yeah you know super polite if not like really into it yeah yeah so it was cool
1: i remember their that their my memory is that their crowd did occasionally attract like an like an odd like person who probably like a new fan not from like the old school hardcore scene who like got violent or something (laughs) like and like didn't understand like what kind of violence was sort of you know in the in the i don't know vernacular of behavior at a hardcore show and so like i remember there was that show in cincinnati maybe where some woman got punched in the face by some yeah. jerk in the crowd and it was like a I, and it was a huge deal and the kind of thing that we never saw at one of our shows you know and, yeah and we and i remember us like like trying to walk her to her car and and all this kind of thing yeah but in j but but that said coheed were amazing they were so good to us they were so kind and we were yeah. on the tour because they liked our band you know yeah. and they were amazing people yeah
0: it wasn't some kind of like mutual record yeah label, label. thing <laughs> no not or at agent all. thing yeah, not like at all. Like we want to take this band on tour. That's like, so yeah, rad. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. They were super nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: that's great though. From 600 cap to yeah, <laughs> keep moving up. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was it was great experience. Uh, anything else from those years that stick out? Is. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, yeah. There's so many stories, so many tours that we did. I mean, for the longest time, we didn't do a whole lot of support tours. We were always the headliner. How come? Um, Say from the super chunk days. Um, I mean, it's kind of going back to the thing where kind of defied genres or classification a little bit. So I think some bands thought we were an odd match, but also we were really loud and like pretty energetic. So I think when you're an indie band, selecting opening bands... You want someone a little mellower. <laughs> you don't want to like have everyone completely deaf by the time you go on stage. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was the case. Yeah, we One did louder. mostly headlining tours. Yeah, there were yeah. only a handful of support tours that we did throughout our career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or we co-headlined. Yeah, we would co-headline. Right.
3: Yeah. With, like, yeah, with, yeah, mates. Um, or
2: depending yeah. on who was bigger in the whatever market. Riley, Kylie. Yeah, Riley, Kylie. Yeah. Riley. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um for those, and then catastrophe. Keeps us together. That wasn't with Polyvinyl, right? Correct. And then why was that?
0: <sighs> the hard-hitting questions. No, I mean... <laughs> there was, I mean, there was a fair amount of time lapsed in between Long Knives and Catastrophe, and it was, the first, it was the first record that we hadn't done in Madison. You know, we recorded that with someone new out on the East Coast, Malcolm Byrne. Right. Um, and we spent a fair amount of time on it. And I don't know. I think we were just looking to try something new. Um, just in general with like working with someone new at a right. new place. Because um, we had done the last three records at the same studio. Right. With the same producer Some, or engineer. At same least. engineer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we were definitely looking to explore possibilities a little bit more. Um, without... You know getting too crazy as far as like signing with a huge major label but the i mean the people that put it out were definitely fans of ours you know they they had, had liked our band for for a while and they weren't they didn't have a label per se they're a large management company um and we wouldn't have fit as far as like a band their management roster because the other bands that they worked with were the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Metallica Shania Twain Shania Twain <laughs> like these massive mm-hmm. like diamond you know selling artists so they but they wanted to start because they had humble beginnings um, they wanted to like reconnect with like what was the smaller groups. what was it called again uh, the label was called Grunyon Grunyon yeah Yeah. Um, great decision so there. they wanted to start a, a like an like a indie label um, and work with smaller medium sized mm-hmm. bands so, and again, we were the first band <laughs> on the label and it seemed like a good fit because they were really genuine and really passionate about what we we're doing. Um, and we still had like complete control, like creative. That's
2: great. Yeah. Um,
0: and then a few months after that,
1: because the record was done before the they, record was done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you
0: had it done already. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like we were writing for a specific thing. It was really, yeah, we were able to take our time and do Exactly what we wanted to do and presented them with it like mm-hmm. if you like it and want to put it out that's great if you don't like it, then you know we'll find a home somewhere else for it but I guess up to that point because you had broken up soon after the release, correct it's like s- or what else in the year yeah within I mean within a year, yeah, I think it was like six months, eight months after
2: so up until that point you'd been through you know school and moving and New York, what mm-hmm. were some of the Things that kept that together what were what do you are there are things that you guys all agreed on or seem to connect you can yes it could be easy as we all got along but was there any of those like well I didn't realize that until this happened this breakup happened like what kept us that way
3: I think the really special uh collaborative communication that we have going when we get together to play music kept us going all that time and just like a real joy playing together and we, we have really similar politics and goals, I think, which, you that know, helps. yeah, I think. <laughs> and I think one of our goals is to play music together, simply put. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah.
0: I mean, we basically learned how to play our instruments together. Yeah. Like Kai and I had been playing a little bit beforehand, but I mean, by all means, we learned how to write songs. The three of us together we taught each other how to write songs Mm -hmm. um so collaborating with kai and caitlin has always felt very much second nature to me like i don't have to think about it i know Mm -hmm. what they're going to do what they're going to do what yeah so um and, and yeah that's the reason why it's lasted so long for sure one of the reasons anyway for me yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah. I mean, I think that especially, you know, coming back to playing together, I was, I, I think I was able to appreciate even more when we started playing together again, like the sort of telepathy level of collaborative songwriting that we're able to do mm-hmm. where everyone's just automatically finishing each other's kind of musical sentences. And <laughs> I think when you don't, I didn't, I, I don't think any of us really had a lot of experience with work playing with other people who weren't members of Reina Maria for in the, you know, during the whole first sec- section of playing together. So yeah. It wasn't until I went back into it again that I was like, Oh, this is like this it's like speaking <laughs> uh-huh. in it's like speaking in your native tongue again mm-hmm. after many years off or something. It was so amazing the fluency of of that, you know? And yeah, I'm I'm not sure I con I think we always appreciate it, but you don't now I think I'm more conscious of, of that. Yeah.
2: Having had a little time away. Um, and what were you guys doing in between the what was it, two thousand six to twenty fourteen, right?
0: yeah 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 no eight yeah it was eight years what were you guys Seven, doing in the meantime eight years. um <laughs> i had been continued to play music with different people like pretty much nonstop. i dropped out for a little bit and still in new york you were still still in new york i lived in paris for a little bit for some of it but yeah still pretty much based in new york yeah but a lot of traveling a lot of touring um but yeah to go back to what kai just said for me coming back and playing with Raina Maria, it was really intense. How like the familiar familiarity aspect of it was just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This feels, this feels like an old baseball mitt. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. This is the right fit. At least like a <laughs> fit that is just undeniable. That's cool. Know?
1: Yeah. Actually, I remember like, um, when we first were like, okay, let's, let's, let's play together. Let's make a record. Like, um, sending like a, a guitar idea over email to you guys. And I remember William, you in particular, just being like, this must happen. You know, like I think wow. that was the sound of it. You know, and it's not even a song. I can hear like, you saying that. Yeah. The song, that, the song I, don't, I don't remember. The song didn't even like sort of ever make the cut or whatever, but just to go back to that sort of sound, not the same sound again, but just, you know, like we click with what each other are doing, you know. Yeah.
3: So just easily. Just like a deep emotional resonance. Is yeah. what you're saying? Absolutely, yeah. Great job, Ken. Thank you.
1: Well, in an aesthetic, you know, like all of our tastes develop together. So like the guitar sounds that I naturally gravitate to fit really well with what William does on drums and really, and the style of playing that I do fits really well with how you, your sensibility on bass and those things.
3: And I think more than ever, <clears throat> we can just get into a room and write everything together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Including vocals. Yeah. Like, yeah, right there, and you know, look to each other for feedback yeah. on our own instruments as well. Yeah. Well,
0: and trust one another to do that. Yeah, are, you, mean, are you guys able
3: lot. to say like, "Hey, Caitlin, woo, maybe
0: try the D note <laughs> <laughs> or whatever"? Like, <laughs> that's why I, I in would a do kinder, it. Way, yes. yeah, kinder way. Yes, you kind of an asshole. Music, but... I mean, any any art form <laughs> is so personal. That's like yeah. your core, like the deep you have to have inner that trust. working you have to be able to trust one another yeah, um, to put that out there mm-hmm. in front of someone for critique. Right. It takes a lot of trust to yeah. do that. And it's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But we do trust each other a lot, I Absolutely. think, because we don't, we're yeah. not, no, none of us are arguing for a certain th- something or other. We think, Oh yeah. no, it has to be like this. It's gotta have like, a breakdown Oh, there. let me hear yeah. your, I'm going to think about your idea. And yeah. All right. I think it's, it's a good one. Let's we'll right. yeah. go with it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like a 30 second sort of <laughs> right change there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was interesting taking some time away and everybody going and doing sort of different things. And what were you doing in that time? Uh, I went to grad school. Nice. And I learned Tibetan and, and started working as a translator. Um, but, and, and, and I, I think the three of us after a couple of years, like walked the most away from music as like, I was like, I'm going to put this down. And like, I didn't have a guitar. Oh, wow. For a long time. I would play piano. Um, and, uh, and I worked on other things that I, that actually... I kind of feel like everyone did really different things that all have fed what we're doing now in different ways.
2: So, you, were, William, you were still playing drums and bands? You were... Mm-hmm. I was in grad school. Grad school. Uh-huh. I, d- I did
3: two solo albums and did a little bit of touring and had two children.
2: Those last two things were important.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the most. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. But so, like, when we came back,
1: like, it was really funny because, it, like, particularly William had stayed in it for six years. And so I was like... This is like exactly like playing with William, except like it's like a total upgrade because like your level of, <laughs> you'd been for, like kind of forced to not just play random music, but a bunch of different, different music. Yeah. Of music, so. And then, and Caitlin too. Like I had,
3: yeah, I had to learn how to self-record yeah. and go on my own tours. Yeah. Well, you're. So I picked I, up some stuff, but yeah. yeah.
1: I feel like William, like you you gained in, in sort of like power even. Oh then, my
3: God, his superpower has increased. Yeah. But, then, but
1: Caitlin, you like also like, I don't know if it's my co- voice. I think your voice definitely got even better, which is yeah, weird. And a solo
2: record, but then voice two kind of had to do everything, so you were projecting more. Yeah, but yeah. there's also
1: a thing that you do that's that like we don't talk about a lot. That it's harder. I it, like where when we're at practice, if someone does do that thing, like you're talking about, goes like, I don't know, Kate on the bass right now. Like Caitlin can rewrite her parts like on the spot and forget. Like it's really hard once you've been playing something for a day or a week or a month. You're like, that's that rhythm, that's those yeah, notes. Yeah, to played like unlearn that, like that's very hard to do. You know, Caitlin can just like go like, oh, you need
2: another idea. Here's a whole different approach. Here's a whole different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the I was gonna say that were there things that. You know, you got back in 2014 playing some shows. Were there things that, you know, did you feel a little Encino Man sometimes? Like, <laughs> like, like, whoa, <laughs> shit, what do we got to do? I don't know that reference. I don't either. There's this, this movie, Encino Man, where Polly Shore wakes up in Encino, California from like Cave World. Like he came out and. He the was 80s. the cave person? Well, he was like, he was. Is he like. <laughs> he was the cave person. You're calling person, us right? cave people just because no, we lived through like, free internet? I joked about this with. Um, American football guys, it's like you kind of like popped out and started making another American football record after all this time, right? But it was you guys. No time had, yeah, yeah, like no time had expired. So I
3: think it's frightening when the whole. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. 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 No, no, no. no, no. (laughs) I think you know. I think this is over. There's been a lot. (laughs) Um,
1: This is Fred Flintstone signing off.
3: (laughs) I think is.
0: What is this?
1: Why do I have to hold this funny, fuzzy thing in front of my face?
0: What is this glowing apple in front of me? His name is Steve, Steve Jobs. Um, but that
2: sort of moment where I, I, you're in a band and it's not just, I'm going to book the tour, I'm going to get maximum rock and roll. It was right. social media, uh, all this other shit on top of, just making the music and having yes that yeah. seemed overwhelming then
0: but it changes now every three days six months <laughs> right. whatever it is no absolutely um i mean i had stayed in it so i was present with bands who were like born on myspace they're like my yeah. famous you know and put me in your top later. eight so i was i was kind of used to that pace that wasn't anything that was adjusted i had, I had to adjust to um but definitely walking out on stage on the, at the Bowery Ballroom on December 31st in 2014 was very surreal. I mean, I can't deny that, you know. And it took, I, didn't, I can't remember anything until from the moment walking out, I didn't freeze, but I kind of just blanked. And then wow. I kind of came to like about the third song in and realized what I was doing. Because it was really, I mean, it was that intense. Yeah, because like the body memory was
3: there. The muscle memory of the songs were
0: there. there.
2: Sold out, right?
0: Yeah. New Year's Eve. Yeah, and it was just... Really great crowd. Yeah, it was incredible. Amazing energy in the room. Yeah. But that was an adjustment for sure. Yeah. yeah. Being on stage with kind Caitlin and playing in front of people. So being a band-wise,
2: the social stuff wasn't, or the other things that happen as a band... For me,
1: I did have a, like, I guess what you're calling, an in, is it incino Man?
2: Yeah. Looks yeah, like we're going to have a movie showing
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull up. I'm also, to be honest, not really sure who wrote the album Bleed American that you said. I'm like, I think that's a Green Day record, but I don't know. Can
0: All right. Tom, you want to edit that out? <laughs> yeah,
2: we're going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Note, one hour, 14 in, Kaya, Clueless. Okay, got it.
3: She's <laughs> <laughs> so- just being funny. <laughs>
2: Anyway, comic relief.
1: But no, I but I I like you know since I had willingly sort of cloistered myself like kind of literally with grad school and and had lived in Thailand like and I hadn't been going to shows or anything like I had no idea that anyone knew who our band was or was interested at all and and William had been had been you know when we started hanging out you know we and playing musical William was like yeah you know people ask me about Riri all the time every time I play to shows there's some kid that comes up and goes hey what's
3: probably up probably my it? age you sorry.
0: Know? <laughs> <laughs> no like young really like, yeah like college age kids or like mid-twenties wow. would, yeah. like come, it jumped. See, would like be in the crowd of you know for the band that i was playing in and they would see me after the set and be like are you william i'm okay. like yeah Like, i love your band so much i'm like um yeah you were <laughs> like 12 when we broke up this <laughs> is kind of weird for me yeah but it got um, through
2: and i think that's part of the internet yeah. You know, if it was Absolutely. videos yeah. online right. or people talking about you or flyers online, it wasn't, it was able to stay alive.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely.
2: Well, yeah. And it, there's a kind of indication
1: there of like, not with so much for but like, I remember thinking at the time, like these little basement shows in Madison, like seeing, you know, American football, Captain Jazz, those kind of bands and going like. It's really weird that these bands aren't super famous because this is the best music. Was always how I felt, you know. Which is partly the hubris of youth, but there was. It turns out there was something to that because now that music is enormously popular at a level that kind of feels like it should have been back then. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, why isn't Captain Jazz like Jane's Addiction was? Because this band is really good. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: so there's a bit of vilification there.
1: Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) And there's a. I think I think the word we were right. Yeah. (laughs) I think the word had you know
2: gone through totally ups and downs, Absol- ups and downs yeah, of. I mean, sure. when you guys were doing you know '06, that was a weird time. There was a lot of stuff happening.
0: Yeah, we were in Hawthorne the, Heights. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those <laughs> venues
2: and shows I was working at when I was at Equal Vision, I was having a hard time. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah. I was like, this is not what I. There wasn't these, you know, pieces of connections or community. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's why I started yeah, the site, yeah, I was yeah. so frustrated. Oh right. Um, oh, in yeah, my yeah. day we and, you know, talked to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I had a communication. <laughs> we sat down at a table with microphones. Right. Um but the that that sense of that community and and it the word has taken some weird turns. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. and it's now great to have an American football, you know, sell out Terminal Five. Right. Um, yeah. and have that be something that people remember instead of the mtv era
0: right yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. i mean yeah. during
3: that time interim i forgot we we did a, a you know a a record label with other artists that wasn't just records right it was artists end up right but so to come back and also then to come back on the other side of this and see that matt polyvinyl and that whole crew is still doing their thing is amazing and yeah, they have they haven't changed and yeah. Uh, yeah on a whole nother level but they haven't changed its people. So that that was sort of even more surreal to me that we could plug back into yeah that it was still there. to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think and that's and so special.
2: That, yeah, it, it, I always feel like those things last. Mm-hmm. Like the these a lot of these things right now happening if it's DJ nights or a thing it's just fleeting. It's yeah. like this sense of well, holy shit! Let's make all this money right now. Yeah. And you guys haven't mentioned other than the fifty dollars to tow your, you know, the van. <laughs> there wasn't any like it was this in it was inside to do this. Yeah, like, we yeah. Have to. Yeah. I can't we, do anything. Else. We had
0: no commercial aspirations when we decided to be a band. And that's okay to if you do. It's totally fine. But that's. I just feel like there's yeah. a
2: sense of where you're going to continue, or someone's going to. If someone listens to you now, I feel like they're going to sense that. In some level. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, religion that is, but there's some level of, okay, that's coming from the right place. Right, yeah.
0: I mean, I think our honesty, that honesty does show in our music. Yeah,
2: from lyrics or presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember
1: coming home, the first tour that we made money, that, like, we got home and sat down in the living room, and, and, and William pulled out, like, a little stack, just tiny stack of cash, and we were, like whoa <laughs> so like literally everyone kind of like being yeah, like yeah we were like whoa. what?" because we'd never it's always like you go out for a week and you break even and yay or you come out of you know get a five dollar per diem if you're lucky yeah. Yeah. yeah you know yeah it was it was really great if the band was able to buy everyone's subway sandwich for lunch and the first time we came home and there was this little stack of well maybe eight hundred dollars or something yeah. you know and for 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 a month work of work you know and we were like whoa it's <laughs> like
2: most of my rent (laughs) you know like
1: wow like that was just so off the radar
2: wow was that the era that everyone only sold xl (laughs) t-shirts because i've got a good four or five years where i looked back to be like let me try this wow that's big well there was a uh, pedro from sunday's best yeah i was on the phone with him i had to hang up i was laughing so hard he called them bacon necks when they get like the neck gets too big, uh, they're <laughs> bacon necks. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, like, do you have any of those shirts that wear bacon necks? God. Yeah, most of them. They're all XL. Yeah,
3: I thought it was a revelation when we discovered you could order them in children's sizes. Yeah, that was pretty Page cool. Yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. We did. We did a couple. We did some XL shirts, but I think yeah, early on, I mean, our aesthetic was not.
1: It was start, They were starting to get small by the time we made t-shirts. Yeah,
0: Yeah, by the so time we were making was, shirts in yeah. like 96, they were good, 97, they were, small. they were all like small, medium. Okay, that's good. Yeah. The tight clothing. Again, starting, you guys were ahead clothing of the area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're maybe because we had a smaller band member. Right.
1: <laughs> Look, I prepped.
3: I said maybe because we had a smaller band member. Yeah,
2: yeah maybe. There was, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: The hardcore <laughs> shows.
3: William is tiny, so <laughs> <laughs> XL
2: double XL. That's always yeah. Uh, so I would love to. You know what you guys are up to now? You
0: have New Year's Eve show, yep. New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day at St. Vitus have to,
2: in Brooklyn. Uh, you're yeah. gonna have to. Little, maybe a little more subdued on New Year's Eve you got another show it's not like you can go all out oh no night. no no we oh, can yeah
0: mind. no come on we're still rocking. rollers we know rollers. how to pace ourselves yeah we're rock and rollers we know how to do it we know when to turn it on and how this to keep is it going Maria got cocky <laughs> 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 people are going to come to New Year's Day and we're going to be like green like hunched over
3: yeah we don't want to curse ourselves five songs <laughs> no
0: we'll be fine so that's
2: going to be fun Saint five this is great yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, such a great place. Yeah, it's yeah, so always fun there to last, play New York. Last year was amazing. Yeah, last year we played there it was so much fun.
2: And then um, I know there's a couple, there's some new songs or a couple. I know played the at the Union Pool.
0: Mm-hmm. There was a couple mm-hmm. jams. Yeah, there'll be some more. So yeah. how was
2: that? Come getting back in the room and saying, "All right, instead of just going through the hits, let's uh, let's try something new." Was that was that fun? You mean in a live setting, or you mean as when you uh, practice setting? Like getting back and saying, "Let's write a couple new ones." Right?
1: No, it was the other way. We never, we didn't play any old songs for a long time. Yeah, I feel like really we yeah, we yeah. we we like that was the thing that was like we were like, "Should we? You guys want to get together and play?" And then when the idea was floated, like, "What if we write a record?" That's when everyone was like, "Yeah," and yeah. that's when we made the decision. Yeah. So we started with new music. Mm-hmm. and it was yeah
3: i don't even did, I didn't, yeah i don't great. know yeah. if, did we play through the old stuff we were
0: like ah, I don't know, yeah the reunion shows right, the first right. time we played yeah yeah in your we old songs right. we
1: wrote for a year or something before we ever really well, at least we're like tossing around ideas
0: and then
2: like yeah. playing
0: yeah. Yeah. that's cool and stuff yeah. yeah
2: so the and that was a how, how did you like that approach because it was like almost like you were starting the band new again by
0: exactly. Doing that. I think yeah. that was the point, or at least one of the points. It's like we wanted to be a band. Yeah. Like which included right yeah.
3: material. Yeah. We wanted like the feeling songs. to be totally positive. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. which cr- creating for us is And it's yeah. almost like
2: that break had, like you said, the positive. You raised, raised two kids, you kinda got away a minute, you were still in it, mm-hmm. you had stuff working out. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the right time. And it's like for you guys having it's like the timing's been right throughout your life.
0: Right which Mm -hmm. I don't
2: know, again, that's whole like cosmic level of like, Mm -hmm. there's a reason for that.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and to be able to come back and still do it, still be healthy, Mm -hmm. still be close, not hate each other.
3: Yeah. I mean, we appreciate
2: (laughs) this is a wooden table. We We definitely
3: appreciate the value of it and the fleeting and the fleeting nature of it and Mm -hmm. the value of it to ourselves, but also the feedback that we've gotten over the years now, you know, like so many people come up now after shows like, Oh, that whatever record got me through this particular circumstance in my mm-hmm. life, or thank you, you know, and it's just growing. Now you've grown up with people as well, yeah, like your fans. Mm-hmm. They've grown up, they're bringing their kids to the shows. It's like, Woo. <laughs> or you meet someone who was at, at a Ryan Rear show when they were 12 and now they're 20 or something, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, any other thoughts about the the shows and what's next?
1: We do have the best fans in the world, and I, <laughs> I don't say that just to like butter my bread over here. But like, I'm, I'm I'm pretty astonished when I go to shows in general and stuff. Like, we just like people who come to our shows are so good to us, and they're so kind, and people are really understanding and sweet, and you know the the folks I'm in contact with online. Like I'm I'm you know I'm really grateful. I don't know, just the whole vibe is so good. Mm-hmm. And that's and always been the case for whatever reason. Like, we just are in such a fortunate scene. And, like, yeah, I kind of can't say. Cause that, and that thing that you're talking about about people coming to, to me, like, oh, your music is important. Like, that goes both ways. And for me, especially now, like, I'm I'm actually really grateful for having that kind of, like, all these other people's consciousnesses to kind of, like, help hold me to together or something oh that you yeah say. You sanity know, like, I know, yeah. You, like, sanity yeah it keeps you like <clears throat> knowing that you have a place in a community whether it's a kind of like dispersed or not like is really important it's really important and-, and does like a thing for you mm-hmm. And so i really appreciate having that still there for us totally. in that
2: group of records yeah. you're getting handed down yeah which i think is pretty fucking rare <laughs> yeah for bands. it is it is yeah no absolutely i and... mean Jimmy World is another one that I feel like that gets handed down
1: No, American, okay. one of their records oh yeah. uh, Jimmy joking. E. World nah, I was like I don't think that's Green
3: Day right <laughs> <laughs> oh I like hearing about your it's soulful emotional connection to it
2: Thank you for listening to the podcast. Special shout out to all the Patreon supporters. You literally make this podcast possible. If you also want to support, head on over to washedupemo.com and buy some buttons or stickers or our Threadless store, washedupemo.threadless.com, with shirts for men, women, and children, plus framed art pillows and shower curtains. Styles like Make Emo Great Again and In We Trust, your emo home needs are all there. And as I mentioned, there's a Patreon page, and you can support each month Or for the cost of $0, you can leave a nice review on iTunes for the podcast. Finally, reach out anytime on any social network and shoot me a note, admin at washedupemo.com. See you next time.